your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, I mean not Matthew, Luke chapter 8, sorry. I want you to, you to um, kind of picture something this morning. I want you to kind of think about you sitting at a table uh, with Jesus and just kind of having a, having a conversation with Him. You're sitting at a table and kind of in your home, which kind of represents a family. And I know something that's kind of, kind of unique is none of us got to choose the family that we wanted to grow up in. Um, God just said, I want to give, you know, Bob and Joanne this kid, and then another one, and then another one. So as we sat together as a family, we're the Pattersons. Something that we learned over the years is there were things that the Pattersons liked and didn't like. There's things that the Pattersons did because we were part of that family. And so as you kind of wander out, I didn't realize that when you ate supper that you would eat anything that would be green. I mean, meat and potatoes pretty much is what we ate almost every meal. Some for, some you know, form of that, you know, then you get married and you say, I do, and then they bring out like romaine lettuce. Like, what is that? And, you know, then there's other things that are vegetables that are not out of a can. Like, what is that? I mean, I didn't know what that looked like as a kid. And so as growing up, you know, as now we've kind of, you know, introduced things in our family. It's just different. We're the Pattersons, but it's a little bit different than my father's house and my mom. But what is it like for us to sit with Jesus this morning? What does that family look like? I know you're busy, and I know it's kind of the commercialized thing, but I want you to really kind of think about what is it like to, to have lunch knowing now that you're not a Patterson, but if you've made that decision, say, yeah, I, I choose Jesus. What is it like to be part of his family? What, who is he in that family? Like, what, Can you imagine sitting at a dinner table with Jesus and he, he's not going to make you eat something that you don't like? I mean, that's a little kind of fun. But there's no condemnation as you sit with Jesus at that table. As you sit with Jesus at his table, there's nothing that will be too big for him to, to handle. There will never be a circumstance that you will be able to, to look in that and say, what, there's no, I don't have any hope. There will always be hope as you sit at the table with Jesus. And so this morning, as you kind of think your way around that, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that you're pretty familiar with. But it's kind of neat to step back and say, okay, I'm sitting with Jesus. So that means there's power in him. There's hope with him. There's life with him. It's a way to kind of to look at that. As you go to, to Luke chapter um, 8 and kind of go down to verse 22, and you'll get a chance to be reminded of you know, Jesus calming the storm as you read above uh, your, your Bible, but I want you to read with me as you look at uh, verse 22. One day he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Now think about this. He's getting in his boat with his disciples, individuals that will learn to follow his name, individuals that will learn to find their significance and their value in their leader. And knowing that, he's going to have to take these followers. If you go back to Matthew, he says to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. 
So there's going to be a process. Just like growing up as a Patterson, when I was one, there were certain things that dad wanted me to learn. And then at two, there's a little bit more. And then three and four. And I've learned that over the years. Same thing with Jesus. And so as you enter into the Christmas season, sitting with Jesus at the table, know that he might walk you right into a storm. Because he wants you to find him in the storm. Think about this. Come on, guys. Let's go across to the other side. Come on, guys. I'm going to take a nap. The waves are going to get really big. Life is going to get crazy. Water's going to come over the side of the boat. But I'm there, guys. I want you to see that. And so as you read on through the scriptures, look what it, look what it says. In verse 23, and, and then he set sail, he fell asleep, and the windstorm came upon the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went to him, to him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. You ever feel that way? They weren't perishing. Jesus is in the boat. It's just a little water coming over. What would it look like if the, if the disciples said, you know what, this is going to be so much fun. Let's see how much water we can get in the boat because we know Jesus is here. There's no way it's going to sink. Jesus is there. No, no, the water's coming over. The winds are big. The water's getting in. They're going, whoa, panic, time out. We're going to die. We're not going to make it to the other side. Master, master, we're perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and, and marveled, saying to one another, who is this that he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him? So thought, sitting at the table, he said, guys, not giving them any forewarning or knowledge, making a comment to them, say, I want to make you fishers of men. I want to show you what discipleship looks like. Put them in a boat. The thing that was most natural for them, but what was not natural was the waves and the wind and the water coming over. That was not natural. So pause this morning and think, you know what? Maybe he took them to the boat for an aha moment so they would know they could trust him. So you're at the table. And maybe you're in the storm. And maybe the storm is decide to show you to really fall in love with Jesus. For you to say, you know what, I can trust him. Oh, it doesn't make sense. And it's not normal. And it's way outside of my comfort zone but I want to be a biblical son. I want to be a biblical daughter. I want to learn what it looks like to be, become a Christ follower. Remind yourself of the book of James. Remind ourselves of James chapter 1. Remind us that James says to us this morning that we're supposed to find and understand that we're going to face trials of many kinds. Does your Bible say that you get permission to give God whatever trial you think is best? God, send me this one. Have you ever heard a scenario as you enter into this week and you think about hope, there will never be a time that you will not have hope if you have Jesus. Never a time. 
I was listening to Moody Radio this week, beginning of the week, and they're talking about hope. That individual's calling and telling stories about hope. You know what I found? Not one person told a story of hope when life was good. Every scenario that I listened to, somebody was desperate, something had happened, cancer, somebody was being robbed, whatever, 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 and it went on. Not one, and all of their hope was found in the difficulties of life. Where they could step back now and look back and say, wow, there you are. You are a powerful Jesus. There is power in your name. Look, I can see it now. I was in the boat, and you stepped in and said, here, here it is. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. But we wouldn't need to be discipled well as we enter into the Christmas season. There's only power found in one name, and his name is Jesus. In the storm or out of the storm or going into the next storm, one of the things that we need to be aware of, discipleship is taught, not caught. Disciples are made. There's not a little rubber stamp. Okay, boom, you're done. No, no, he's going to work you through some things so you can say, okay, that's my disciple. It's all through the scriptures. Peter's a great example of it. There's another thing that I want you to see this morning, though. Take your Bible and go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. What's interesting is, is we're entering into uh, an opportunity now where you say, okay, look, I really need to spend some time thinking about this. God, what are you doing in my life? As I sit at your table, God, what does it look like? What are you trying to cultivate in my life? What area of discipleship are you working on in my life? What area are you going to challenge me to trust you? What are you going to challenge me to change? I'm sitting at your table. I want to be like you, Christ. The next part is, will we listen? It's really interesting. As you, as you go to Luke chapter 10, you'll see, and, and if you pick it up in verse 38, you'll see two names, Mary and Martha. Two individuals that had an opportunity to be around Jesus. Two individuals had an opportunity to listen to Jesus. But for some reason, the one individual by the name of Martha was more concerned about the supper than she was about Jesus and his words. And Mary, the supper, for whatever reason, was not the most pressing issue for Mary. But the words of Jesus were. So look at this. Look how it reads. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now they entered on their way to Jesus, entered a village, and a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister and called Marion, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went out to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I don't know if you've really sat down and listened. That, listen to Jesus' response. Okay, you've got an individual by the name of Martha that supper has to be taken care of. Things have to get done. I mean, Jesus is there. It would be kind of intimidating to have Jesus over for supper. But Jesus is there. And so there's things that are need to get done. And so for whatever reason, Martha is distracted. Now, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. 
but one thing is necessary. So before you read this next part, can there be a correlation to maybe that Martha's so busy that she hasn't been sitting at the feet of Jesus and that's caused her anxiety? Can there be a correlation here that the words of Jesus really didn't matter so much to Martha because she was just too busy? Well, I got to go do this. Well, I just have to go there. Well, this has got to take place. You know, the napkins have to be folded just right. You know, the, the knife and the fork have to be in the right spot. You know, otherwise Jesus might think less of me. Well, you know, we probably need to clean up over here and tidy up over there and make sure that the trash is taken out because Jesus is coming over for heaven's sake. And we can't just have that glass. We have to have the right glass because it's Jesus. Right? And it goes on and on. So whatever it is, she's distracted And Jesus is there. And there's words that are being poured out in her home. She didn't hear him. Because something else was more important. Something else took precedent in her life more than the words of Jesus. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, we could, we're going to have supper. And the napkin's not the most important, Martha. Jesus' words are the most important. And for some reason, as you read this passage of Scripture, Something about Mary wanted to know the words of Jesus. Something about Mary wanted to hear what he had to say. Jesus' words mattered to Mary. Do they matter to you? Well, you'd say, well, obviously they do. We're in church, right? He's coming back. I don't know when. Does that matter to you? Does it matter to you that Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20 is there for us? Go into all the world and make disciples. Does it matter to us that we go through Philippians chapter 1, verse 6? Be confident this very thing that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's not done yet. You're here. Does that matter to us? As we look to the, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and say, you know what? Paul writes to this church at Ephesus, hey, there's something that I want you to know, and it's really, really important. You can be adopted into this family. You can sit at the table with Jesus. And sitting at the table with Jesus is exciting, yes, for the forgiveness of my sin, but to know that it's a father. Okay, I got to sit here with the one who has no, no, no uh, beginning, no end. His mercies are new every morning. Jesus will always be faithful. That's who I'm sitting with. Does that matter to us? Does it matter to us when we read Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Does that matter? Does it remind us as you go back to Psalm 89 saying, you know what? This Psalm and his passion was to talk about the loving kindness of, of God and the faithfulness of his God. Does that matter as you sit at the table? See, I know you're busy. And I know that there's waves in every single one of our lives. There's this stuff, but does Jesus' words matter? Don't fool yourself. Okay, this isn't like a, you know, uh, we're playing, we're talking about eternity here. So when you walk out and you go to sit at your table, 
Will there be any pondering of, hey, what, wonder what Jesus wants for me today? Wonder what Jesus says. You know, if I think Paul wrote in, in Romans, talking about there's no condemnation, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Does that matter to me? You have hope this morning. Not because we go to Bible Fellowship Church, but because we believe in a cross and an empty tomb. And his name is Jesus. And so as you sit at the table, know who you're sitting with. Ponder who's at the other side. Be reminded that there's power in that person sitting there. Probably in your house, there's that one spot that, you know, dad sits. You know, and it's always kind of fun if somebody comes over and they sit in dad's spot. How, how are we going to rearrange this to make it so it's not real awkward that you're sitting in dad's spot, you know? Maybe just be reminded that's Jesus' spot, not dad's spot. And know that there's really power in his name. But we need to know his words. We need to be reminded of what he said to us. And allow that to have weight in what we do as we navigate whatever time we have left on this earth. So you're here today. Truth is in front of you. Will it matter to you? Will you ponder this week Be reminded of the power in Christ. Pondering that the wave might be coming because Jesus really wants this personal relationship with you. And the way to get your attention is to send the wave to think that you're drowning so that you'll really fall in love with Jesus. More now than six months ago. More now than five years ago. More now than 20 years ago. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be together as a family today. I thank you for what you're doing in Youth for Christ, and I thank you for what you're doing in ABWE. But God, do it in our family too. God, make Jesus' words matter to us. Make the word of God matter to us. Make truth matter to us. God, may we be reminded of the power of who you are. As we walk out this morning and see creation declaring the glory of God, may we say, that's my Father. May we say, thank you, God, for, for, the, for the moon that came up last night and the stars and the birds and all that stuff. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm walking with you today. There's my dad. That's the Father. And may it, no matter what goes on around us in the circumstances of life, may there's something be inside of us saying, you know what? I know who my Father is. I know who my father is. And then on the other side of it, may we have this passion to really know about our father. And then what he says resonates deep in our soul. Father, you're the only one that can make that happen. And so we're excited to cry out to you today, say, do it again. One family at a time. One dad, one mom, one child, one grandma, one grandpa, one widow, one single person. 
May your words matter to us. May we long to be a disciple of yours, sitting at your table, navigating week to week, month to month, hour by hour, because we heard your voice. And we've allowed your words to sink into who we are. Thank you for the privilege to be together as a family today. Send us out into a broken community because we have hope in your name. And may that be a priority of us. May people getting saved be a priority. May people being discipled be a priority. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. We'll tie and be out there as well. In your name I pray. Amen.